Welcome, welcome, everybody. Welcome. This is Sharon Smith, and this is Iambic Poetry Podcast Presents Real Poetry, where we bring you the pictures, poetry, and popcorn. I'm here once again with my two popcorn snatchers, Marvin and Auntie Vice. Say what up. What up? What up? We are so what we is are so, up? We are so in a hurry. Okay. Today's today's is gonna be our last um review on Dr. Seuss movies. And this one yeah, Sharon really- got tired of getting himself out of getting laid by assigning these. <laughs> that hurts. It hurt me too. Today <laughs> today's movie we're gonna review and talk about is Horton Hears a Who. This movie was back in 2000. This movie was this movie was in 2008. It was the first animated picture after the, the live action Cat in the Hat. Uh, it starred, um, once again, starred Jim Carrey and Steve Carell. Basically, the last time you've seen those two together was in Bruce Almighty. And then it also has Carol Burnett, Will, Ar- uh, Will Arnett. Step, um, Seth, Seth Rogen, and also Amy um, Pulse, Polar, Polar, Polar. This movie here is basically an adaptation of the two thousand of the two thousand the nineteen ninety um four nineteen forty two book. It has also been made three times already with Horton's Heard a Who. Horton hatches an egg, and also the last book that just got just got publicized in 2014 was uh what was it? I just saw it. Yeah, it's, it was another Horton book that got published in 2014. One of the last book, one of the one of the fifth of the last books that um was done by Dr. Seuss after his death. Go figure. This one here was done in, this one here was not done in Illumination. This one was done by Blue Sky. Blue Sky, if you don't know what Blue Sky is, Blue Sky is the ones that brought Ice, Ice Age. They also have done several other movies like Robot. A lot, of, a lot of animated movies that came out from this. But the funniest thing is, it's the same producer who's done all, all the other Dr. Seuss movies. Chris um, Melodari. He basically went from here to Illumination and took all his stuff with him. Ain't that crazy? Chris, we see you. This movie, this movie also has a plot line of... So, the plot of this movie is... In the in the jungle of Nur, Horton the elephant, the jungle's eccentric nature teacher, hears a tiny yelp coming out of a dust speck. Believing that the entire society is a microscopic creatures are living on the speck, he gives chase onto it before placing it on top of a flower. But they call it a clover. It's, cl- it's called a clover the whole movie. Horton finds out that the speck harbors the city of Whoville and its inhabitants, the Who's, led by um, Mayor 
Ned Madal, Madad, whose family includes a wife, 96 daughters, and one son named Jojo. Despite all the older children, the next in the line, he's the next one in line for marital, from being a mixed mayor. Um, but Joe doesn't want to be mayor. Once the once Horton begins carrying the speck with him, the the city starts to experience strange earthquakes and strange phenomena like change of weather, earthquakes. And the mayor finds out the tenth of caution, Whoville challenged by the town's council. So in the wider sense, everything comes down to the fact that the city itself is part of a speck of dust. But unfortunately, Horton is basically being uh, victimized by a sour kangaroo who refuses to believe that the the who's exists and demands numerous times that Horton gives up the speck and overshadow of her authority. But Horton refuses and takes forces towards Horton with the Wickersham brothers, a group of monkeys. Wickersham? Brothers. Wickersham, yeah. Wickersham brothers, a group of um, monkeys who like to cause everybody havoc and mischief. Eventually, the um, kangaroo enlists a sinister vulture, um, Vlad, Vlad Kolf, to get rid of the speck. After so many failed attempts and stuff, he, um, Horton drops into a field of the penguin, causing him to go to. Um, catastrophic tremors unsuccessfully and by finding this comes down to the fact that Horton is still trying to keep these people alive and get them onto the mountaintop before it is too late. Thoughts? Marvin? Uh, I think for me where I wound up really liking the Lorax for its messaging with how well it's inadvertently talked about the modern age. Okay. I think Horton kind of was all over the place. It did have a lot of messages. <laughs> it it, it talked about a lot of things we're dealing with today, but it just, I feel like the problem is while I enjoyed all the topics that it's talking about that reflects modern society in 2021, it was a little all over the place. And the problem I had with it, especially is just, the story just felt really way too fast-paced for me. The animation really wasn't my cup of tea, but I really did like the fact that it had a lot of the big names in it. And a lot of said big names are really great voice actors, in my opinion. Like, I will forever love Will Arnett as a voice actor. I think Jim Carrey, in his later part portions of his career would have served as a really great voice actor. Steve Carell would have been a pretty middling voice actor. I think he would have done great, but pretty middling Seth Rogen kind of has the Will Smith effect that we talked about recently, but <laughs> it, it was an all right movie, I guess, I guess. <laughs> Auntie Vice. It was passable. I wouldn't have done this as the lob to let's get back into Dr. Seuss's estate's good graces. Um, really? It, no, no. Uh, the story they overlaid on it to extend the film to feature length was way too forced. Um, and where Dr. Seuss's messages and stuff and the Lorax and Horton Hears a Who and the speeches and everything are all pretty clear, but they don't hammer you over the head. The problem with this director, as well as with the Lorax, is 
I think they believe their audience must be incredibly stupid because they feel a need to make it very obvious and reiterate their point over and over. And it feels like they're, they're kind of beating you over the head. Um, the animation was okay. It wasn't great. Um, so yeah, overall I was, I was not thrilled with this and, um, you know, I, even with actors that I love as voice actors and stuff, and I could understand why you could think how uh, Burnett would pull off the, the angry kangaroo. It, it didn't work for me. Right. Like I can see a lot of these voices where they're like, yeah, that I can see that working. And then when it finally came out in full length and not just an audition, they just didn't hit for me. I got to agree with you on that one, Becca. You're right. Um, and I, I kind of finally start, I'm starting to see where your issue with, with these Dr. Seuss movie animated Dr. Seuss movies is they refuse to look at everybody. eye level and look at it, but instead make their movies from the perspective of a five-year-old who has, still has a very basic understanding of the world because this movie definitely had some pretty one-dimensional issues going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, and you can, you can still cater to a five-year-old without making a film feel like it's just retrotting the same ground a hundred different ways to make its point. I mean, yeah, you're right because look at Pixar. They yeah. do that continuously with each movie. They cover death uh-huh. very well, after the afterlife very well, aging very well. Like they cover a lot of right. very specific things very well right. without having to be patronizing about it. Yeah, exactly. The you know, and like explaining emotions with uh inside out was oh, the yeah. way they death was incredibly brilliant and accessible to a kid, but even as an adult, it's an enjoyable film to watch. This was mm-hmm. This was a bit painful. And like with all the other Dr. Seuss films, they added in music that doesn't quite fit. Yeah. Like, again, you can see where they're going, but it, it, that that piece doesn't quite work in this for me. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, they're only like, I think there was like at least, what, two or three songs. The rest of the time, it was a lot of just chase scenes and a lot of mm-hmm. moving around. And even, well, even the fact that, um, so one thing about this movie, uh, the budget was 85 mil. Uh-huh. And the box office got two, uh, got 300 mil. Of course it did. Well, I mean, I think that's also, again, where my problem lately has been with where I was talking about for the past few episodes. I just cannot stand in illumination. But it's not illumination. It, it was illumination. No, this, one. this was Blue Sky. No, Blue Sky. Oh, Blue Sky. Oh. This is the people that did um, Ice Age and stuff. Okay, but it's still, okay, fine. Let me rephrase that. It still extends to my dissatisfaction with certain animated companies like Blue Sky and Illumination because they make very cutesy thing animated films. Mm-hmm. They're just meant to be a very obvious cash grab. Like if I were to like say that about with certain films with Illumination, look at Sing, look at The Secret Life of Pets. Mm-hmm. I could easily turn that into the life of a human and or change the main character into a human and nothing would have changed about that storyline mm-hmm. well, at all. A- isn't that kind of a relevant thing they try and always see something that they can, people can relate to? Because yeah, that's anything. But I think, okay, so with certain production companies like Pixar, why I think what made Toy Story so special was you can't really take Woody out of the movie and turn him into a human and expect it to be the same movie. It okay. operated in a length where Woody as a toy 
emotes in a very human way that made it so special. Right. When you take a movie like Sing, where it's just animals animals with human emotions, human actions, and they just sing to win a competition to save their some business. That's basically American. Basically American Idol. Basically, it's an American animal farm. American Idol edition, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it does nothing for me. That does nothing for me at all. I look at Minions and this, and that, I look at that, and it's just, dude, seriously? Mm-hmm. I sat through an hour and a half of that just to watch Minions find Igor? That could have been 15 minutes. 15 minutes tops. So, so the guy who basically, the guy who basically has done the Spickle Me and all the other the other, other Dr. Seuss movies also did this one. So yes, he did move from he did move from Blue Sky as a producer and moved over as president of Illumination. So yes, you can say that the the gentleman who did who's now president of Illumination took his his um took his side and some of the stuff that he did for Dr. Seuss and moved over to Illumination to make them do it. So yeah, this is this characteristically. It may not be Illumination that did the first one of Orton Had a Hue, but it was the same producer who moved mm-hmm. over to Illumination. Um, another thing about this movie, um, well, let's see about this. So, I think this movie, okay, so I'm, I have a few issues with this movie because I fell asleep three or four times. I had to basically rewind this thing five times. <laughs> it took him like nine hours to get through the movie. In all fairness, I fell asleep during like the first quarter of the movie, so I yeah. had to watch it the night after or continue the mo- night after. It, it, it's I don't know. It, I don't know if it's some the, some dragon parts or something. Something just didn't fit in my head, and I just my body just said I'm clocking out. So, well, the yeah. it could be a combination was, of the weed and it, well, trying to watch it the first time at ten thirty at night. But you know, yeah, I watched this at like nine thirty, and mm-hmm. like it, it was definitely a formulaic movie. And as mm-hmm. much as Jim Carrey is a fun voice actor, in my opinion, it it doesn't save the plot of the movie or the pacing. So okay, that that's that makes that makes me think because. He did try. He did try a couple times of doing his. Got on his own um, Robin Williams kick, mm. you know, with um Kissinger. He did a few other voices and stuff, and tried just impersonations as he was doing the movie and stuff. Whereas, um, Steve Carell basically went straight lace. Uh, uh, Will Arnett went for this, this uh, in this vo- this um Russian this impersonation, Russian mm-hmm. impersonation, and Carol Burnett. I mean. Carol Neff went as snobbish as she could for the whole thing. I was like, okay, that's interesting. See, um, and I think allowing Jim Carrey to do Jim Carrey with all the antics and make that into Horton doesn't fit the character. If you've read all the Horton books, you know, and I was a big fan when I was a kid, <laughs> Horton is kind of this serious, empathetic being. Is it empathetic? Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah, empathetic. Yeah. No, no, empathetic yeah. and serious being. Right. right. Like he's there to stand up and you know, in this one he stands up for the who's in, in uh Horton hatches an egg, he sits on that egg because uh the elephant's word is one hundred percent, you know. Right. Um and to have mm-hmm. a character like that then do these kind of goofball physical jokes that is Jim Carrey's stock and trade just didn't work for me. I think the problem is is when you for people who don't care much for the source material, I'm looking at you, Blue Sky and Illumination. 
and other production oh, companies. I'm going to I'm I'm copy on that one. Just keep going because I got to let you know something. <laughs> because, well, when they don't care enough for the source material, but only take it at its artistic face value of it being whimsical or mm-hmm. being lavish, that's what they go for. And Dr. Seuss has always been a little whimsical. Mm-hmm. And what do you do? And especially when this was like in the early 2000 and ter- early 2000 aughts, what do you do? You get something that is quirky. You get someone like Jim Carrey who has very, and, and this is not to fault Jim Carrey because he has very great range, but you get someone like Jim Carrey without understanding the source material. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay, now let me eat my words, Sean. Well, well, let me, uh, the book I was talking about, the one that came out in 2014, is Horton and the um, Nugger, Nugger Bug and More Lost Stories. So basically, they published another book for Dr. Seuss with Horton in it. That was the one I was trying to, I was trying to emphasize. Now, uh, your situation. So as you said with the source material... That's actually incorrect because because um, fortunately on this one, they actually trying to get back good graces since um since the whole 2003 fiasco of Cat in the Hat and Audrey basically saying screw y'all this is not going to happen again. In 2005, Blue Sky came up after completing Robots came up to um. Um, Chris um, Medaldry came up to um, the widow and asked if we can try again, but now do a, a, a computer generated. And she allowed them to get access to the vault, the Dr. Seuss vault. So they saw all the, they saw the, the original sketches. They saw all the 3D sculptures. They basically had, um, free range to everything that Dr. Seuss carried from 1940 till now. So it, they had full range of all that stuff. So they went in, got in, you know, got some ideas, worked the footage, found voice characters with this. So basically, they had they had the whole thing that we worked with them. Because if you think about it, this movie led on to. You know, Chris getting the other three other movies made for, you know, the other two movies made for this one. Um, three, three other movies made. So, But I think you're missing Marvin's point. Is Even with all of that information, they're not respecting the source material and the characters as developed, right? They had all yeah, of that, exactly. and then they decided to do their own vision of it, which undercuts the message of Dr. Seuss in the original mm-hmm. book. So it's not respecting it. It's not that they didn't have access. Yeah, no, 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 and I think Audrey Vice got it right, and I, I, I stand by that one completely. It's just mm-hmm. if, and that's kind of where my pro, my personal problem, like me specifically, it doesn't. I'm not speaking for everyone, especially. Oh, not hey, for everyone man. This okay, disclaimer, stop, go. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> and that's why I hate. Sometimes I hate big studios taking mm-hmm. on the work of other artists. Okay. When you only look at it from the perspective of how much you can make out of this right? and what the off-cost balance are, it does legitimately put a huge tamper in the quality because you want to fit an entire audience. right? For example, and this is going to be one of my favorite examples until something new comes out for, for mo- more recent dates, 
I despise Bohemian Rhapsody. The movie? Yes. Yeah, I the love movie Queen. is awful. I love Queen. Yeah. I love Queen. The band is great. It's phenomenal. Right. They're trendsetters. Freddie the Mercury guy- is an icon. But yeah. the movie? And oh, no, no, and I also must say, Rami Malek, oh, he's great. Brilliant. Yeah. I, as a straight cis man, I'd suck his dick. Okay. Now I got to cut that out. And he did a great <laughs> job of capturing Freddie Mercury, but the writing on that was freaking awful. Well, see, one of my things, too, is Freddie Mercury has, in essence, said before in an interview, if they ever made a movie about him or documentary about him, he's like, I don't care, but at least make it interesting. This movie yeah, was not was interesting. Not. It was just a fucking book. That's all this movie was. I did not. You can tell this movie was made from the surviving band members who had a bone to pick with Freddie Mercury. Really? Because they wanted to capture the bad parts of what was going on. And I get that there was friction. But when you're making a movie that's specifically about Freddie Mercury and you paint him in such a bad light. And not only that. It was horribly paced, and then they they pretended like the band just did this giant rise to fame with no problem at all, Mm -hmm. with this extended montage, and then they tried to literally cram 10 years of Mercury's life into one single day. Exactly. And I would have loved to see this movie in the same way they did Johnny Cash's movie with Walking Phoenix. That was a great bibliography movie. So, So, but... Back to the point. <laughs> they didn't respect fuck, the source material. Yeah, in this fuck, one fuck studios that don't respect the source material. But um, but but have you? But we have, we already noticed that even the 1970 30, 30 minute um one that was done by that was directed by um Chuck, Chuck Jones, Jones and MGM. I mean, yes, the character of a little bit more proper. I mean, they must got got a couple of English guys on that one because it, there was no mayor this time on that movie it was basically a scientist who was in the, the actual the actual over um uh the auditorium where they where they you know would look at the stars and stuff and he basically made an audio device that went up in the sky and he was talking to Horton that way whereas this one it was the mayor even though they had the auditorium they had the observ observ what's it called observatorium was being used was abandoned, but being used by his son, it was still there. It was not. It was. I'm, what I'm trying to say is the whole thing itself. They take, like you said, they took a few pieces of the source material, but then make it into. They try to use their own their own selves to do whatever they wanted. Did it work? To a point. I mean, they added extra characters. I mean, we there was no. In the first, in the in the cartoon, thirty minute cartoon, there was no um, vulture. They added that. The they had the kangaroo. They had the they had the monkeys, which was funny when they had the machine. Those gun. were in the those were in the original. Book. Yes, I, I still uh, I still like the whole machine gun banana shots. That was interesting. Just that was a, the weirdest thing they could do with just bananas having just under someone's armpit, just shoot them off like. Um. <laughs> and they also they also you know kept the idea of the clover and they kept the idea basically what I'm saying is there were some stuff that was still left over. They added a couple of new things and they also added I, they they kind of linked it out just like they did with um, the Grinch and all the other ones. So yes, 
I, I do applaud. I do. I do. I do don't. I do not like that they have to add these extra subplots to a cartoon that's that should be straightforward. But I get that these are production ideas that could have that were put on the table, and they picked what they wanted and went with it. So that's all I can say. Um, did you think that this movie? Well. <laughs> they did use a few lines from the book, you know. Uh, I meant what I say, and I say what I meant. An elephant stays faithful, one hundred percent. Even though they use that as somewhat of a joke, a joke line with him and the mouse, Morton the mouse. Uh, there, the whole thing with the um, the kangaroo, how sour she was. They call it the sour kangaroo. Interesting. Uh, and even even the monkeys and their antics. Do you think this movie had a? Do you think this movie had? Because they kept on pushing this whole thing. You per, you respect the person no matter how small. Uh. Do you think the message there was depth? That has some in depth points in the message, or was it just something that just fluffed over, just like they did with um the Lorax, where they basically talk about pollution, or where they did with the Grinch talking about um, um, consumerism. Do you think there's a message in this that, sh- that people can walk away with? Yes and no. Okay. Why do you say the yes? The reason no? I like the Lorax's message better is, and I think you finally explained it pretty well in how I'm able to conceptualize this. Lorax talked about a subject that was pretty black and white. Consumerism is pretty shitty. Capitalism is pretty shitty. And if you try, like, and legitimately, if you try to argue with me that anything else is worse than capitalism, I can give you a lot of reasons why capitalism is the reason the world sucks right now. I can tell you why global warming is a huge issue. It's all pretty black and white. But with Lorax, or not with Lorax, I'm... Horton, when they say you should respect everybody despite their size, it feels very pandering. And it feels like right, like, and this is definitely a product of its times in the early 2000s where everybody was saying, I don't see color. And now 10 years, almost 20 years later, you're having people who go, fuck you. (laughs) You, By saying that, that literally erases my existence and identity by just saying I don't see color doesn't. Does not does nothing to recognize my issues and my struggles. I feel like that statement does the very same thing. Right. That's just me. But when I also see the kangaroo, I'm just looking at another carrot, a very one-dimensional carrot, to be honest with you. I also see Horton <laughs> as just another dude who just does performative shit. Hmm. So, so just how you brought that part up. Do you see Horton as an ally or he's using it as, as he pointed out, I now have a purpose? Because it seems like even though he was saying he was a nature teacher and just going on life and stuff, he considered keeping the the who's safe or pursuing to, to try to save the who's as his mission in life, his life mission, even though the kangaroo was the new Karen and stuff. Auntie Vice, do you see that as the new purpose of uh, no i i mean i saw horton as kind of genuine in his desire to protect this and he really believed in his cause and you know 
everybody else is making fun of them and mocking them because they don't understand it. And I think that stays true to what the book is, you know? Right. The refrain in the book is a person is a person no matter how small. Um, and I think they stayed pretty true to to that. Um, I don't expect characters to be more than one-dimensional when they're pulling from Dr. Seuss material, right? Really? The, the characters are more than one-dimensional in those books. So it would be having to add a lot of depth because that's these books weren't meant for you to get into the characters' lives, right? They were rhyming. They were messaging books for kids and stuff. So, you know, that doesn't bother me. Um, and I do think they stayed with Orton's message and, you know, with people making fun of them. And that's pretty much what happens in the book, you know? Okay. So the narrator, Charles Osgood, this gentleman, he is he is uh used to be the host of the CBS News Sunday right. mornings. So uh, he was so him being on this. How do you feel about him being a narrator of this? Where he basically still he he almost read it just like he read the book, like if reading a book. He he wrote the right. read the lines, rhymed the lines and stuff. So he read it just like he was read like he was reading a book. Did that feel? Whereas with the Grinch. Uh, how the Grinch Stole Christmas. Effie Hopkins didn't read it like he read a book. He's kind of reading like, like he was just narrating every time um, Grinch came up and did something, or even how for real read it like he was rhyming, the, like he's reading the narrating a book. Do you feel what? How do you feel about the um, way the the narrator was? I didn't have an issue with it. I mean, it was kind of unobtrusive, and and I thought worked. Okay. Marvin? Uh, I was fine with it. The narrator, I didn't have a problem with. I just no. had a problem with the pacing of the story and some of its characters. Oh, okay. That's just me. <laughs> do, do you feel the... Okay. Well, that, that's, that's all good. Then. Why don't we do this? Why don't we go right into... <laughs> why don't we go into Snap Judgment? Snap Judgment, where we basically rate and review the movie we are doing now. If the movie gets a three, it is the greatest thing ever. It should be as high as the Who's were, finding out that they're small, but they're in a big world. If it's two snaps, it's not that good, but it's not that bad. One snap, this movie is as sour as that kangaroo who Marvin called a Karen. Was she not, though? Am I wrong here? Karen. She's a total Karen. Karen the Kangaroo. I feel like that's a pretty great uh-huh. name. That's the new hashtag, Karen the Kangaroo. <laughs> All right. We give quarter snap increments. Please close your eyes while I count to three. Wow. Okay. One, two, three. Okay. Open up. This is interesting. Y'all both did it again. We God get dang. along. See, this is why we get along. Like each other. Yep. 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 Two, one, one. Okay. I better get my first start before y'all you go. You should. <laughs> That's a very wise choice. <laughs> Technically, I was going to give this one a one and a half because I fell asleep three times. You fell and- asleep and you were willing to give it a one and a half? That's a very generous. Or you I gave it two. That's already very two. generous. This, yes, I give this thing two and a half. One reason why, one, one, 
because this was actually done after the fiasco, <laughs> the fiasco of the cat in the hat. This was actually, this is something to bring back as a comeback. This was like the comeback kid for Dr. Seuss, the widow of Dr. Seuss, to do this again. She basically was already done with the live action. Live action. She wanted computer generated, and it worked. Um, number two reason I give this because of Horton's Horton himself. Um, Horton Elephant is very much a staple character in the whole Doctor Seuss plethora. I mean, beyond having three books and stuff, he's done also short. He's also been in short films, animation uh, on both. Um, on both um, Merry Melodies and also the basic Looney Tunes and also on MGM. So out of everything that has been done and George and um, Chuck Jones was a big, was a big influence by doing a lot of Dr. Seuss movies, a lot, or a lot of Dr. Seuss cartoons. He directed a lot of them, a lot. So this being the start to get back to where, the next movies that came out were The Grinch, The um, uh, ah, uh, Lorax. This, I can't complain. I cannot. I cannot say that this movie didn't bring those back. So, and then also they had another. They had another book of Horton in 2014. So, I see this thing as a way to get Horton's name back into the minds of children. So I gave it two, and it did it did what is what is worth, and also brought back Jim Carrey from doing The Grinch. So I see this as a as a, a positive step. Even though I fell asleep twice, I fell asleep three times in this movie, and I had to rewind it and just get those parts back into my head. It it's, it wasn't it it was very it very solid. So I give it I give it two. Marvin. I mean, I definitely stand by my one. I think the messaging was a little <laughs> off. I like the voice cast thing, but now that I know this is the first movie done after Cat in the Hat, the, I feel like the Lorax should have been the movie that should have been done after that. Yeah. And would have been fun. Like, you could have done, done without Horton Hears a Who. But if for me, I would have chosen a completely different book. Like, now that I think about it, huh. what would you have chosen? The places you will go. Oh, that would have gotten everybody. That book is given to every graduate ever. Exactly. I would. That's yeah. exactly why I would have chosen that. It's ambiguous. It has a great messaging. It includes everyone. Fuck yeah! I would have chosen that. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Well, Auntie Vice. I think one is being kind of generous. It was not. I. I did not like a lot of aspects of this movie. I thought it was heavy handed. I thought it was poor timing. I did not love the animation. I think they strayed far from the original character. Um, and I just want people to stop making feature length films out of Dr. Seuss books. It doesn't work. I've yet cartoon, to see what, cartoon or live. Yeah. Or live, yeah. Live stay action. away from feature length. Stay with the book. There's no need to add on all of these subplots and alternate songs and bullshit to try and make it an hour and a half. Yeah, stay right. with a short film. Short films are good. Yeah. Short films are great for Dr. Seuss. This, the times Dr. Seuss has been done in short films, it's really fun. 
but they got to, you know, this is just people just going, oh yeah, this is a popular book. Okay, we'll turn it into a film and it'll make money. And as always, the book is better than the movie. Yeah. Even and when the book only has us? 600 words, it's still better than the movie. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of puzzled now because if they made Horton hatch an egg, would that have gone better or worse than Horton had a who, heard a who? Here's a who. They would have done feature length. It would have sucked. <laughs> I mean, if you want like a really good example, if you still can't conceptualize Dr. Seuss, look at The Hobbit. Which one? The the cartoon version or the, or the live action? The live both action. Of them it, long, it, it for sure did not need crack. to be a trilogy. It did not need to be a trilogy. It absolutely did not need to be that a trilogy. It was long as crap. I mean, three hours. Come on. And the book was, it was not even done yet. I'm like. It could have been two movies, tops. That's it. Two movies, yeah. tops. Yeah, it could have. But they tried to do the whole. They, Paul Jackson tried to get that whole thing running. All right. So. As you can see, four point um, four out of nine from us, which is kind of surprising because you two gave lower lower rates to the Lorax and also um, the Grinches. So I'm kind of surprised on this one. Wait, what do you mean, the Grinches? Oh, oh, the, the Grinch movie. Grinch. Yeah, I felt like I gave the animated the- Grinch a pretty good score. No, I'm saying, well, I mean, like the Lorax stuff. Y'all, y'all gave like. In between a half and, a, and I recall the Lorax. I gave Laura. I'm pretty sure I gave the Lorax a one and a half because I enjoyed the mess. While I cannot go behind the movie, I did like the messaging it brought. Right, but capitalism I know, sucks. I know. I know. Auntie Vice gave that movie like a half. Like a half. Uh, that movie sucked ass. <laughs> All right, people. So as you know, these are our opinions of the movie. We gave it four out of nine. Snaps. Let us know your opinion, please. Share, subscribe, and comment in on the line or on Instagram or wherever you get streaming services. I am Sharon. That is Auntie Vice. That is Marvin. Here is our social media, Marvin. Take it away. Yeah, you can find me on IG at StarvinMarvin09. I'm Auntie Vice on most social media, AuntieVice.com, LoveLettersToAUnicorn.com, and now teaching a class every other week through KinkPositive.com. And you can find us, you can find me, and also I am Bic on I am Zine. That is I-A-M-B-I-C-Z as in zebra. Yes, it's not zebra. Zebra, I-N-E. We will come back once again for another for, for another full action film. I don't know what we're going to do because we have a poetry list that we need to finish. As long as it's not anything like Speak to Me in Poetry and Mulan, I'm okay. We'll find out if there's a German Mulan. Ooh. And you thought <laughs> I was going to go a whole movie without Mulan, huh? No, no. We'll find the German version. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with the German version as long as it doesn't shit on everything like the Chinese version. I'm like, if you want to find people (laughs) appropriating German culture, I don't even think you can qualify that as racism anymore. No, no, not a trip. That's a trip. It's very hard for white culture in the U.S. to appropriate and insult other white culture. They do. No, except for Russians. They do with Russians. They do with Germans. They. they were French. I mean, 
Yes, but they still treat it with a modicum of respect that they don't afford right. to BIPOC communities. Yep. I mean, they even do, we even do Italian stuff. I mean, you, how many Italians do you know that go, hey, what's, your, what's the matter? Get out of here. Come on. But that still affords them a level of um, agency. Of individuality. Level, individuality. Like with the Russian thing, they give them this ideal of being badasses. They emasculate Asians. They they villainize black and brown communities very badly. So, okay, you have a point there. Good idea. We don't know what we're doing next, but we'll let you know and find out. But please, we have now finished off our Dr. Seuss episode. Clap your hands. Oh, my goodness. Jerron can have sex again. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it is pretty hard to have sex Uh, watching a children's movie. Or having had watched one. It's a boner killer. These were so bad, they were boner killers. My sheenus is weak. Wow. So you're telling me it was Dr. Seuss who killed it, but not Window Horses. I liked Window Horses. Window Horses was an amazing movie. Don't get me wrong. But you could still want to have sex after Window Horses. Because that was a a heavy movie. That was a heavy movie. It was. It was. And I needed to like sit there and decompress after that. I needed to drink. I got to kill this so we can stop recording. I am Sharon Smith. I have to do a lot of editing now again. Fuck you, Milan. Evil. (laughs) Fuck you, Milan. And fuck you, Disney. We'll be back once again for another episode of I Am Poetry Poetry Podcast presents Real Poetry. I will not rest easy until Disney bans me for life. You have Disney Plus, my friend.